For those of you who maybe forgot or were unaware, this Sunday is what we call T-Shirt Sunday at City. And the purpose for it is that we would kind of show some things that we have a passion for, an interest in, a team that we support, a place that we've been, or whatever the case may be, so that maybe those around us will have a little bit of a perspective of our lives outside of being inside these four walls. And so, before, well look, before I step in any further to this morning's message, where is Stephen, our new worship pastor? I know he's in the building. Stephen, if you'll stand, he's right back there. Everyone say, hi, Stephen. It's good to have you with us. He'll be around in the foyer following the service today. And I do want to say this, that following the service today, we're going to have a reception in the foyer off to the left for the Bigler family. I want to encourage you to go there. We've got some special things involved with that. And again, I think that we have cupcakes, so I know most of you will find your way over there since this is a year of health at City Church. I know that you'll make it there. We were going to have uh, cucumber sticks, but we didn't really think that that would be as celebratory as having cupcakes. Um, so as a church, we have stepped into a brand new teaching series that's entitled covered and so covered is this idea that god is this umbrella over our lives we're going to be investigating this over the next several weeks what does it look like whether i'm single married teenager whether i'm on grounds or i'm in the at the height of my corporate career what does it look like for god to cover me to be covered and in line with that, the mission and vision of City is still the same. We are all about calling people to follow Jesus and to serve others. That's the mission of City. But what I want to talk about this morning is literally the church. The church. Now, before we get there, last week I talked about the idea that God covered his people in the Older Testament. There was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In other words, God literally by his presence put a cloud over Israel and it was a protection against the elements. At night there was a fire. That fire brought warmth and it brought light. In other words, God was behaving through the cloud and the pillar of fire just like a facility, just like a building, only he was covering over a million people during that time. God covers us. We are a people that through faith in Jesus are covered. But what I want to do this morning is I want to focus very clearly on what we call the church. Because at the end of the message today, we're going to be talking about a new potential facility for our church family, a new permanent church home. But before we get there, we have to understand what the church is and what the church is all about. And so in order to do this, we're going to read a passage of Scripture where for the first time in all of the Bible, the word church is used. And so we're going to be reading together from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. You can read along on your smartphone or on the screens on the sides. But here's what Scripture tells us. 
Jesus, by the way, is with his disciples. And the Bible tells us that they're traveling and Jesus is heading north. At the point of this dialogue, he is as far north as you can get. Jesus is as far from Jerusalem as you can possibly get and still be in Jewish territory. He's way up north. A few more steps and he would be out of Jewish territory and into Gentile or non-Jewish territory. He's literally on the fringe. And as we pick up our reading, Jesus has led his disciples there. And here's what Scripture tells us. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? By the way, the phrase Son of Man is the phrase by which Jesus most called himself. If you were to meet Jesus, he would not say, hey, my name is Jesus of Nazareth. What he would say is, hi, my name is Son of Man. It had a prophetic reality from the Older Testament. But as we pick up our reading, it says, and they replied to his question, who do people say that I am? It says, they replied. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Isn't that a great question? Who do you say Jesus is? But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the one that Israel has been waiting for. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Bless you. Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by Father in heaven, and I tell you that you are, what's the next word? Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You see, as you look at this story, what you begin to discover is that Jesus very intentionally has led his disciples to a region called Caesarea Philippi. He had never asked his disciples this question before. He guides them to a very specific region, and it's there that he asked the question, look, context matters. Jesus waits until he gets right here before he asks them the question, who do people say that I am? And then to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter announces he's the Messiah. You see, the region of Caesarea Philippi really radiates its name, Philip Caesar. You see, this area has a very famous temple in it. This temple was built in honor of Caesar Philip or Philip Caesar. It's now the point in the Roman Empire where emperors are being worshipped as gods. But even beyond that, right outside of this city, there is a large cave. And out of that cave comes the headwaters of the Jordan River. Now what's incredible is, all over the mouth of that cave, there are hewn out spots where the people that live in this region had filled those hewned-out spots with idols that they worshipped, and one of them was the Greek god Pan. 
We also know from extra-biblical literature that this huge cave that sank down into the blackness and the darkness, out of which this river came, people would make sacrifices and they would throw them up, out in, or up inside the cave and they would watch the blood flow out of the cave and it told them whether or not their sacrifices had been accepted. It was a place where the region of Caesarea Philippi, there's so many gods, so many religions, so many other spiritual things happening, and it's there that Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? Peter gets it right. People named Peter always get it right. <laughs> Peter gets it right, and he answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And if there's any mistake, you are the son of the living God. You are the one that the entire creation has been waiting for. You are him. And isn't it fascinating that Peter gets it right. And when he does, and only after someone finally recognizes Jesus as the Messiah, does Jesus ever mention the church. Without the recognition of Jesus as the Messiah, you do not have church. Everything about the church is about Jesus. That's why here at City we say, follow Jesus, serve others. If you take a cursory reading of the Newer Testament, you will end up with, follow Jesus, serve others. And so here Jesus, for the very first time, looks at Peter and he says to Peter, I tell you that you are Peter. In other words, he renames him to Peter. And the name Peter literally means rock. Can't you tell by looking at me? The name Peter means rock. And he turns to Peter and he says, look, Peter, the confession that you just made is what I have been literally living to hear. And now that you've said it, we can now talk about church. Jesus never mentioned church until someone got it right. And now that they do, church becomes a reality. So the idea then is, is what is church? Well, the word is a kind of a fascinating one. It's a Greek word that's pronounced ekklesia. Ek means out from and towards, and kaleo means to call. So church literally means called out ones to someone. Guess who we're called to? Jesus. It's actually sort of a political term where politicians would enter into towns and they would call out to their followers. But here Jesus takes that frame or that phrase and he co-ops it into his kingdom. And from then on, the group of people that he has called out are now called the church. But listen, when you look at what Jesus has called them out to, if you would remember the verse that we just read, it said this, I will build my what? Church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You know, for years it was taught to me that that was about kind of demonic stuff. 
But if you were to research this, you would find that the cave that I mentioned earlier, over which there were all of these idols, and out of which flowed the headwaters of the Jordan River, that cave was called the Gates of Hades. That the people that lived there looked into that dark abyss, and when they looked into that dark abyss, they believed that that's where their gods had come into the known world from. And so Jesus stands right in front of that huge cave with the headwaters of the Jordan River flowing by him, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, you see all of this? You see the worship of Philip Caesar? You see all of these religions, and he turns to his disciples, and he says, this stuff will not win with what I'm getting ready to do. I'm going to have a church. I'm going to have called out ones, and all of this stuff around you, it's going to go away. But my church will prevail, and that's why we name our dogs Caesar. Because Caesar's not God. No one calls their dog Jesus, at least that I know of. You see, the idea here is, is once someone recognizes Jesus, he begins to talk about the ecclesia, the called out ones. But isn't that a trip? Here's Jesus by this cave. He's got 12 ragtag guys. And he turns to them and goes, guess what, called out ones? Guess what, church? We're going to conquer the world. It's almost humorous. Can you imagine looking at that setting? All of these people worshiping other gods. People throwing sacrifices into the cave and watching the blood come by. You turn around, you see the city. There's the huge shrine to the Caesar and people are worshiping him. There are other shrines down behind you and Jesus goes, that ain't nothing. Wait till you see what we're going to do. Wait till you see. But here's what's important to know. Is that the church has never been a building. It's always a group of people. As a matter of fact, if you are maybe a student at UVA and someone asks you, where do you go to church? And you say, hey, I go to city church and you're driving in your chariot, pretend that you're at the time of Jesus, and you're driving by City Church Central on Ryle Road in your chariot and one of your friends were to say to you during the time of Jesus, where is your church? And you said, my church is at 1010 East Ryle Road. They would think you're crazy. And if you drove by them in your chariot and you pointed at that building that we own debt-free and you said, that's my church, they'd say, where? I don't see any people. Where are the people? You see, biblically speaking, the church is always a group of people. They are the ecclesia. They are the ones that Jesus has called out from and to himself. That is the church. Now, how can we talk about this in a way where we can put feet to our faith? Because as someone who has a passion for people to understand Scripture, I think it is so important that when we think about church, we understand what the Bible really has to say, and how can we put feet to our faith? Well, what I would like us to think about is this, that not only 
in the Bible are we called the church, but the Apostle Paul interjects another concept about the local church family. He calls it a body. Here's what it says. It says, from him the whole body, meaning God through Christ, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, our church family is made up of thousands of separate people. There are about 1,200 adults that call city their home. And each person has a unique gift. But the idea is, is that as we follow Jesus and we serve others, all of a sudden this body begins to take shape. The scripture says Jesus is the head. We are the body. Now I want you to look around you. Look at the body to the left of you. Look at the body to the right of you. Now look at your own body. The idea is you are literally the body of Christ. You are the physical manifestation of Jesus Christ in the greater Charlottesville area. You see, the church is never a building, it's a group of people. The church is a body, a functioning reality of which Jesus is the head. So, what I can say is this is that I have observed our church in our community. Our church is not a building. It's a group of people. I've done home visits where I've watched the church through a lady at home raising her children, and she's off the radar of anyone but a mere handful of people. She's the church. I've watched people from City Church run companies, and I've walked into their offices, and I've watched the church run a company. I've also been in other contexts where I've seen other people that call city their home. They are the church, and if someone asks me when they meet me, Pete, where is your church? I always want to say to them, well, our church right now is raising kids. Our church is studying on grounds at UVA. Our church is doing X, doing Y. They're policemen, they're firemen, they're doing all of these things. That's where the church is. I know what they mean. They want to know where the building is. But that's not the church. The church is always a group of people that builds itself up as each part does its work. Now, we have a very special group of people here at City. And they are people that work in our educational system. You see, what they do isn't more or less important than what anyone else does. But what you and I know is that what they do is extremely challenging. And education is important for our community. We have a special heart for educators and people who are part of our school system. One of the reasons is we meet here in a high school. This has been our temporary home for six years. And as we meet here, it's hard not to have a heart for these people. So listen, if you are a teacher, an administrator, a staff, a lunch lady, or a coach, I like the lunch lady part. That was a joke. No one got it. But if you are a lunch lady or a coach in any educational institution, I want you to stand. 
I want you to remain standing. Because we've got a little sticker for you. And once you've received the sticker, you can be seated. On that sticker is an apple. Because apples represent teachers and educators. We want you to write on there with a pen what school you're a part of. Where do you serve? Where are you called to as an educator? And when you walk around today, man, you can have all the pride in the world that you're an educator. But here's what I want to say. You are the body of Christ wherever you're at in our educational system. You are the body of Christ. Now in this, I watched a subset of our church family be the church last night. So I am sort of the unofficial chaplain of the UVA wrestling team. And so that's why I wore this shirt today. This was UVA wrestling from the national championship last year in Cleveland, and I attended. But I watched as the coaching staff, almost all of whom attend City Church, went into this room and they greeted the first-year wrestlers and their parents and all the wrestling team. And I watched as these coaches who are followers of Jesus, they were the church in action where they're employed. And I watched them challenge the wrestlers to do two things of their five pillars, and they were this, to be relational and to be a servant. And I thought, isn't this incredible? Where you've got this coaching staff who loves Jesus and loves the wrestlers and loves the wrestlers' parents, and they're bringing this challenge to allow relationship and servanthood to be a pillar in their life. It was powerful to watch as the love of God was flowing through that episode there on grounds at UVA. Now, when I think about that, that warms my heart. It warms my heart because I know that all of us are the church. The church isn't a building. It's a group of people who use their gifts wherever God puts them to bring the light of Jesus into darkness. That's the church. Mm -hmm.